You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Good morning. You beat me to it, Carlos. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, As we begin, I just want to ask you to just take a moment and think about the last time that you were, um, you went to visit a cemetery. When was the last time that you went to visit a cemetery? And just think about what the purpose was. Like, why did you go? I think of a time that I went with my uh, wife and kids, we visited North Dakota and uh, happened to go to my grandmother's website. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Grave site. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so, so uh, we visit and, you know, it was, it was, it's interesting about when you go to a gravesite, there are emotions that you feel. One, it's I'm thinking about this person's story and what they meant to, to me or to us. And my kids didn't know. They didn't know her, but I did. So I get to tell them a little bit about who she was. Um, but just the impact. But then there's also this reality. We are actually visiting a gravesite. And someday, that'll be me. And you guys will come probably visit mine. And there's just... That's just our story. Um, so when you do go visit a gravesite, a lot, of, a lot of times people just avoid, like, I don't want to do that. Uh, because it's, it's dark. And there's this reality that is really heavy. Well, today there's a story about a gravesite. Um, but it has a very different feel. And so we're going to go look at that. It's about Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Uh, they're going to go, she's going to go to the website. John tells us her story. <laughs> John's going to tell us her story, right? Mary goes to the web, to the, <laughs> that's going to keep happening. <laughs> I think I've been, I've been translating too many times and sometimes it might make brain just glitches. Uh, but these, these women, I'm going to say these because John tells us Mary's story. That's what his focus is. But I want us to realize that it is more than just Mary. Mary does, doesn't just go by herself. In the story, she will actually come back to the disciples, and she will say, uh, they have taken his body, and we don't know where they placed him. So she's implying that it wasn't just her by herself. But the point is, they are going to a website. Uh, <laughs> grave site. Let's, you know, please forgive me if I do that again. I probably will. Okay, let's go ahead and John chapter 20. Uh, Verses 1 through 18. Here, let's just read it. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark. (laughs) I can't stop. (laughs) While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. 
He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were, they were, where they were staying. So when we go back and look at the beginning of this story, um, oh, sorry, I'm going to keep going. It's through verse 20. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, If you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Okay, when we go to the beginning of the story, we talked about going to the graveside, <laughs> gravesite, right? And that's what they're doing. They're going to a gravesite. She's going to a gravesite. And what do you think she's expecting to, to find? Well, when we went to a gravesite, we were expecting to find a grave, and a body, right? Um, so they're expecting to find a body. That's what they're, that's what they're doing. In fact, uh, one of the other gospels says that they were taking spices, and I, I'm, it's, it's difficult for me to understand this. Maybe they didn't see exactly where he was buried and how he was buried, but Nicodemus and Josephus took him down, and Nicodemus had 75 pounds of spices, that he had prepared to use, and it says that he buried Jesus properly. I know it was, it was Friday afternoon, the Sabbath was coming, there was kind of a rush to bury him, the tomb was nearby, and they used it, but it's, it, according to John previously, it was a proper burial. But I don't know if the women saw it all. Um, maybe they weren't aware that guards were put in place after the burial. But they're going to the tomb, and they're planning on, on using the spices to prepare the body to, to, to properly bury Jesus. So they're going expecting to find a body. And you can imagine how they're feeling. They've been following Jesus for at least three years, and they're, they have their hopes set on him being the Messiah. You've got Mary Magdalene. Her story is absolutely amazing. She comes, she, she, uh, 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 one of the Gospels tells us that she was someone who was, uh, had uh, seven demons in her. And Jesus came and delivered her from, from that oppression. There are people who think that the woman who anointed his feet with, with, uh, with a jar of very expensive perfume and then 
dried his feet with her hair. Some people think that was her. There, there's no actual evidence that it is, but she was someone who everybody, if it was her, people knew her as a sinner, a sinful woman. And so she was rescued, and here she is going to the tomb. But one of the things we got to remember is they're dealing with the reality of death. And if we think about it, this is something we all deal with. Whether we're ignoring it because we're young and we think it's far off, or some of us, uh, I can think of a few people that are in our congregation that are thinking it's, it's imminent, it's coming. And the reality is we all face death. And why? Because sin is in our world. From Genesis, from Adam and Eve on to, through today, the wages of sin is death. We all have to, have to face it. And the question for, for these women and the question of all history is, will Jesus, the one who is supposed to be the Messiah and the Savior, will death hit him and knock him out and destroy him? <laughs> Or will it be different? And when we go back in the story, Jesus over and over again had been, had been preparing their hearts, had been telling them, Here's what's, this has to happen. In John chapter 16, um, Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so they said he was telling them that he was going to have to leave. And, and so the, uh, Jesus is watching them argue over this, and he answers, right, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy, because of her joy that a child is born into the world. This grief is what they're experiencing. They're walking to the tomb in grief, and the world around them is probably hunting anybody who, who associated with Jesus. So here are the women going to the tomb. The men aren't there. I don't know why they're not, but, but they're grieving. Right? And Jesus told them, this is going to happen. Uh, um, if you go to John chapter 16, so with you, the rest of this section, so with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again. And you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In John chapter 20, verse 18, right, um, they, the, the passage goes on, so they go and saw that the stone, so this is now, it just describes what Mary sees. I don't know if she was faster than everybody else, or maybe they all saw this, but uh, they saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance, right? And so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. I love how the author of this book writes about himself in third person over and over again, right? The one Jesus loved, uh, and then in this passage he says, the one who was faster than Peter, you know, uh, little things like that. And, and, but, but, but Mary comes to them and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Again, a reminder that it wasn't just her alone. So the tomb is empty? <laughs> Can you imagine Peter and John 
And these, well, it's not all of them. Mary comes in and says, the tomb is empty. And it, when you go back and look at the story, she didn't look in the tomb. She, she saw that it was open. And the first thought was, what? Somebody robbed the grave. Like, the first thought wouldn't be if, if you went to the cemetery, right, and you found the grave and it's empty, the first thought would probably not be it rose from the dead. It'd probably be some, someone took the body. And that was something that actually happened back then. People would rob grave sites. And so uh, the tomb is empty. And, and so Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter again and, and, and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. And just think about that. John comes. It, it is open. I'm going to look inside. And it's dark in there, right? It, it, he's looking inside, but... Why doesn't, he, why doesn't he go in? For one, it's a grave, right? <laughs> uh, not that necessarily he was scared, but for Jewish people to be close to a body, there would be a ritual uncleansing if you touched it or if you touched anything that had been touched by him, right? There's, there's this ritual uncleansing. That's part of it. I don't know why he didn't go in, but he didn't go in. But here, along comes Peter, uh, and what is he, right? then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He, he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. It doesn't say it was like folded up, but it's separate, right? It, it, it's separate. And, and finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. So John is finally convinced. He walks in. He saw and believed. My question is, John believed what? What exactly did he believe? It doesn't necessarily say what he believed here in the story, but over and over and over, John, in this book, he's been talking about belief. He's been talking about what it is and... and Revelation chapter 1, I'm, I'm fast-forwarding the story here quite a bit because this is a different book that he writes. But John tells us this later on when it's his turn to see Jesus. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me in Revelation 1. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was, one, was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest, the hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead." Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. This gravesite visit is not normal. <laughs> So when John believes, 
He believes, I believe, I think he believes in the resurrection. And, and the passage very clearly says that he does, they didn't even quite understand all the scriptures had to say, but over and over Jesus had been telling them what would happen, that he would die and come back. In 1 Corinthians 15, the apostle Paul talks about uh, the resurrection, and, and he talks to the believers, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. This is Paul. Another one of the later witnesses talks about the resurrection. But faith in the resurrection, it's absolutely essential. If it didn't happen, we might as well go home. <laughs> there's, no, there's no point in our faith if it didn't happen. Um, what is faith? What is belief? I love this verse in Hebrews 11, verse 1. And right after this, he gives a ton of examples of people who walk by faith. And this morning, Joe gave us an example of, of these men who go, went out to the Auka Indians because by faith, they believe God wants us to go reach them. Did they get to see the outcome of their faith? They didn't. <laughs> they died. But their wives, their wives believed in the sure hope. It's a guaranteed win if we go and do this. And they went and reached the, these tribes. They, they invested their lives. They lived there with the tribes until the tribes came to Christ. And now there are stories, there are movies about what happened. And we've got uh, Nate Saint's nephew living with us. It's pretty cool. But what is faith? Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's not chuck your brain out the door, believe in Santa Claus. I'm sorry if I'm blowing anybody's uh, myths but it's, it's not, you know, uh, fairy tales. It's not the same thing at all. He's saying it's confidence, it's assurance. Uh, I love the old King James Version. It's the evidence of things unseen. Faith, uh, Jay spoke on this. Uh, I don't, I, he spoke, about, when we came to John 20, he actually preached on this passage already for Easter. But his focus was on faith and what it is. And I think he took something from a previous message, and he's talked about what do I need to... The question, I guess, for us is what do I need to believe? And he said this, faith in Jesus is impossible without God's help. So if you're struggling believing in God, would you consider just saying, Lord, if you're God, whoever you might be, if you're even there... If you're even there, I want to know you. If he's not there, you've lost nothing. Nobody knows you even thought that. But would you consider asking, if you're even there, I want to know you. And, and the question that we have is, what do I need to believe? Because Jesus comes to his Disciples, he told them over and over, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, I'm going to come back to life. And what do they do? They go to the grave site to try to find a dead body. Right? It makes sense. 
But then Jesus comes back to life. And, and what's going to happen from here on out and what we're going to see in just a minute is, is over and over again. And the question is, will Jesus give you, will God give you what you need to believe? Absolutely. 100% without a doubt. I've lived it myself. I grew up in a Christian home where I heard the Bible stories and I thought I believed it when I was a kid and I did. But I came to a point in my life where I thought, wait a second, what if my parents were just like, uh, they're nice people, what if they're just honestly wrong? What if the Muslims have it right? Or, or the Jehovah's Witnesses? Or the Mormons? What if they have it right? What if there is no God? How, how do I know? And so I started asking and pursuing and learning about what their beliefs were. And one day I just read, I just like got the Bible and, and someone gave it to me. And I started reading through it. And, and, and when, before I read it, I was like, God, if you're really there, I need to know. I asked that question. If you're there, if this is real, I, I really want to know. And as I started reading through the Old Testament, I hit the Gospels, I hit Matthew. It just made sense. It's like, <laughs> this story is absolutely true. And God is absolutely awesome, and I am nothing. Why would he pursue me? And yet he does. This is the story of the Gospel. God gives us what we need to believe. It's, it's impossible without his help, but, the, but believing in Christ is rational. When you go back and you look at it historically, how many people witnessed this? It is rational. It makes sense. If you actually take the time to honestly look at the evidence, it actually makes sense. It's personal. Jesus is alive today, and he says, I want to have a personal relationship with you. I want to walk with you. No, I don't, not, it's not about religion. I don't care about whether you go to a church or you do rituals. That's, I want a friendship with you. It's personal. It's redemptive. He can wash away your sins, wash away the guilt, take that off, lighten, give you light. I don't know how to describe that. Light and grace. It just lifts it off your chest. It's not on you anymore because he hung it on the cross if you choose to trust him. And it's transformative. He will take your life and teach you how to live life now. It's not just something we get someday when we go to heaven. Eternal life is something he gives us now. We can live in it. This is faith. And so Jesus, when he comes in this story, one of the absolutely wonderful things, when I read the Bible, um, one of the things I love to do is just ask myself, what is God like when I read this? Like, you can read the Bible and figure out and, and ask yourself, what am I supposed to do? Like, how am I supposed to live now? Which is not a bad thing. But perhaps the greatest thing you can do when you read the Bible is just ask yourself, what is God like? What is he really like? And, and when you read it in this story, Jesus calls Mary by name. You know, we go, let's look at this. Mary stood outside the tomb and she's crying. Why is she crying? <laughs> they ask her that multiple times, right? <laughs> Why are you crying? Uh, the, angel, the angels come. The, the angels are seated there. She's, she's looking at him. First of all, she's talking to angels, right? Maybe they're not beaming. Maybe they're just dressed in white. But still, they're sitting in the tomb. Like, but she's crying. She's, emotion, she's emotional, right? And she has a conversation with them. She, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. 
At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her the same question. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? I'm pretty sure this guy knew. <laughs> but, but he's asking her. He wants her to connect, right? And so she pours it out. Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him and I will get him. If you've ever been to a gravesite and you see the people that lay a body down, you know, and maybe take it up again, or hopefully they don't do that, but, but the, the, those guys, maybe they think you remove the body, and that's what she's thinking, because someone took it, and so she's asking him, and his response, Jesus said to her, Mary, just that moment, she, and, and she didn't think, maybe this guy's Facebook stalking. I, like, no, no. She, this is Jesus. And she recognizes his voice. And she recognizes his voice. And something we need to think about is, is that the Bible clearly says that Jesus calls me. He's calling you and me over and over again in this, in this gospel. We hear... We hear things, uh, John chapter 3, 16, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes. Who's that? That's me. Whoever believes in me will not perish but have eternal life. John 1, 12, but as many as received him, right? To those who believed in his name, as many as received him. Who's that? He's calling me to believe. The reason why we have this written, the reason why we have this testimony, the reason why we can talk about this is because he's calling people to himself. That's what Jesus is doing. And the question is, how, how will I respond? What will I do with Jesus? Well, when you look at Mary, um, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. I just think about the weight of that in her personal life. Where she was before Jesus, absolutely lost in darkness, voices in her head, voices not just in her head, they were coming from outside, demonic voices speaking to her, telling her who, giving, telling her she's worthless, and I don't know how she's living because of it. But that's who she was. And then she comes into contact with Jesus, and he frees her from all of, all of that slavery, gives her an identity, gives her a family, and is teaching her how to live her life. And so for her, she is teacher. How will I respond? Is Jesus teacher in my life? Where has he taken me from? And where is he taking me? And am I allowing the voice of Christ to speak into the decisions about how I live, about who I am, about where I go, how I interact with people? Is he my teacher? Is that who he is? But I, I love this about her. And then Jesus turns around and gives her an important job. He doesn't just call her by name. He knows her. 
right? He knows her, but then he, he's going to give her a task. And what's interesting is, is this job that he's going to give her. Jesus, do not hold, before he gives her the job, he says, do, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. And I'm thinking, what does this mean? Like, he obviously died and rose from the dead. Uh, he told the guy on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Isn't that the presence of the Father? I don't think that this is what it's, he's talking about. See, if you go back, if you go back, uh, John 14, there are multiple other passages where Jesus talks about, uh, in John 14, uh, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. I'm going to prepare a place for you, right? I'm, I'm going to go there. And he's saying, I'm going to go back to the Father. And when he talks about the Holy Spirit that's going to be sent, he said, it's necessary for me to go. This is the better way. I have to leave, so, so be careful of hanging on to my physical presence. Don't hang on to what you see, you know, because, and again, we read previously, you're going to mourn because I'm not going to be with you. But I will send the advocate or the comforter, the counselor, and he's going to teach you everything. He's going to remind you of everything that I've already told you. So he's saying, it's better if I leave and he comes. Do I understand why they couldn't just both stay? No, I, I, I really don't. <laughs> but he's saying to her, do not hold on to me. Reminds me of that other story where Jesus frees this man who was demon-possessed over by the coast of Gadara, by the Sea of Galilee. And he, he's in this Gentile region, and the man is freed from slavery to demons. And he says, I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no, I would like you to stay. And I want you to go and tell everybody where you are about me and what God has done in your life. I would rather you stay. See, this world is fleeting. It, it, it's, it's, it's moving, and we're on a journey, and we're pilgrims. So Jesus is saying, don't hang on to my physical presence now. I've got something important, a better way for you. So let go of me. And I have a job for you. Go and tell it. But he, but he said, but just a question what, before, before the, what are we holding on to? It's so easy to hold on to the things we love. I think about these missionary men who left their homes their families, I'm guessing their church, to go across the world because Jesus has an important job. You could hang, out, hang on to the kingdom of God here because it feels so good to be with brothers and sisters in Christ and to be in, in, in this great place because the kingdom of God is great. Jesus' presence is absolutely amazing. But he's saying, don't hold on to me that hard. I have a job for you. And sometimes I've been in and out of relationships all my life. A missionary kid who did, my dad did that. He left his family. He was the inheritor of a big, of a farm. And he left it and he went to South America. And he's invested in people and he's still doing that today. And I grew up in that. I came up here, went to school. Then my wife and I, she left her family, and we went to Bolivia. And then God brought us back here. 
And here uh, we left a church that we absolutely loved and were with people because I think God's calling us to invest in these, this Hispanic community that meets this afternoon at 2 o'clock. And when we separate from the friends that we love, it, it hurts. But Jesus is saying, this is a better way and I got to trust him. And so we do that. And there are times when I get into community groups where I see people develop and we're starting to grow and we build great friendships and that's really, really, really good. And I'm not saying cut those off. But just, would you consider, what is God calling you to? What is Jesus calling you to? Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God, so they can't hang on either, right? Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. So she has this great job. One of the interesting things about this passage is that Jesus chooses Mary, a woman, to be the first witness of the resurrection. The greatest story ever. And at the time, a woman's voice could not be used as, as evidence in court. It didn't count. <laughs> and yet God says, my ways are wiser than yours. And he chooses this woman. Interestingly, those, that story that Joe told us, the men came, and the women came to finish the job with their children. God's ways are wiser than ours. But a question to, I would like to invite the worship team to come back up. But my question to you would be, who in my life needs to hear about Jesus? If you have a relationship with Christ, you have a story. Somewhat like Mary's, you were without Christ, what was it like? What is your life now that you know Jesus and where is he taking you? And Jesus, I think, is calling us this morning to, to pray and to think about who, do I, who does he want me to share this story with? So I'd like to invite you to take a moment right where you are. Let's pray. And I'd like you to take a moment and just ask God, who do you want me to share this with? Father, thank you so much. For this great story, thank you for the fact that the resurrection is real and we would hang on to you. Thank you because you love us and you pursue us and the gospel is alive and you hold the keys of Hades and of death and nothing will stand against your church. Lord, I pray that, that you would put people's minds in our hearts, people who need to hear about you. Lord, I put this before you, and I ask that you would guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. Is that what's, is that what's happening? Yeah, it is what's happening. I'd like to invite you, if you would like to pray with someone, we've got prayer teams over here to your left, and uh, there will probably be over here, but if you find anyone with a yellow tag, they will also be willing to just pray with you. But if we would love to connect just have a conversation. Uh, there's something going on in your life that needs resurrecting. 
You know, if you're experiencing something that you would like prayer for, please talk to us. We would love to pray with you. That said, there's one more witness I'd like to read from, and that's the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians. When he talks about what he had when it comes to status and position and the way he pursued God, and then he met Jesus. Um, he, he, this is what he says uh, in Philippians chapter 3, but whatever were, ga- whatever were gains to but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. But this thought, yes, I want to know Christ and experience the power of his resurrection. Jesus came to give us life. It's not someday, it's right now. Colossians 3 says, if then you have been resurrected in Christ, set your mind on things above. So this week, my challenge to us, let's go out and live in the life that God has given us. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Jesus, thank you so much for not staying dead. What a joy to know you're alive. What a joy to know you. Father, teach us to walk with you. Holy Spirit, guide us this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go and walk with him. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.